Hello, you amazing people out there, and welcome to the Amazing Action Comics Podcast, where we are all about independent comics. I'm one of your hosts, Angel, with Phil Pepe. How's it going, Angel? It's going. It feels like it's been forever since we've done a podcast, because we do a fucking skip week, and it feels like forever. It does feel like a really long time, I know. Shit, how you uh, feeling, right? I'm good, man. Uh, what is this, day 86 of our uh, our northeast heat wave over here? Oh, my um, God, it's gross. Yeah, just uh, just staying in the air conditioning today, doing my part to dispense all the chlorofluorocarbons into the atmosphere. Yeah, so. exactly. You're <laughs> so tired and weak and stuff like that. You don't want to do shit. It's funny. It's funny. We use the air conditioning to make ourselves cooler artificially because it's so hot. Partly because we use so much air conditioning. Right. So it's it's it's, it's, it's a, a vicious it's a, cycle. It is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we, we skipped last week because there weren't really uh, a ton of books. I think there was one book uh, that we were going to do, The Book of the Dead from uh, Valiant, right? Mm, right, right, right. Um, and, or uh, Book it, of Shadows. Book, of, the book Shadow. of Shadows, correct. Yeah. Um, I think it was just a continuation of whatever they got going on with Shadow Man and, and all of his, uh, his peeps. So rather than struggling through that, because I've read nothing of Shadow Man, <laughs> and I can't remember the last time I saw a Punk Mambo in a comic. So <sighs> instead of struggling through that and, and torturing you guys, we decided just to skip the week and see what comes out. And, well, you know what? We, we got quite a bit this week, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so. there was, you know, and again with, uh, what, last week being um, uh, San Diego or the week, San Diego Comic-Con yeah, the week before. Yeah. You know, there's just a lot going on as far as just uh, news hitting and digesting stuff like that. So it was nice for us, I think, to take a breather because I know we were doing uh, doing this pretty pretty consistently, sometimes multiple times a week. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, in one respect, yeah, like the breather, it was nice. Uh, but it felt like we were... It felt more like four weeks instead of one week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so the Main Street people just gone crazy with San Diego Comic Con. All the news that came out of there. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're still freaking uh, waking up from their comas. Um, <laughs> but with that being said, welcome to episode 76 of the In the Comic Review. We're gonna start off with some, you know, some short news that we got from some indie stuff, and then we'll go right into uh, the books that we got for this week. Um, which I was pleasantly surprised with. So mm-hmm. um, there's weeks where we're just like, oh, my God, I can't believe I got to read this damn book. But <laughs> there's sometimes sometimes you're, you're just pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Uh, so some bit of news for those of you guys uh, that know Mark Millar, who's done a crap load of stuff in, in mm-hmm. his career, um, his indie stuff, um, which, you know, he sold his whole catalog, I believe, to, to Netflix. Yep. Um, and from that, we got one season. Uh, what was it? Jupiter's, Jupiter's Legacy. Legacy, right? And then we got one season of Super Crooks, uh, the animated show. And it wasn't bad, but it was just like I, I, I didn't finish off the season. Um, it was it was good, but it wasn't you know enticing enough for me to finish off the season. So it's going to be interesting to see if they take anything else from this catalog and do anything with it because it really is so. Vast, right? Didn't he have Kick-Ass also? Kick-Ass was his. I Now, that's the question. Is is that part of the deal as well? Um, <sighs> could they re, redo, uh, redo Kick-Ass or would they have to do like whatever, like the more m- recent incarnation of Kick-Ass that's been floating around out there? Huh, that's interesting. Um, yeah. Um, the other is Wanted. You had brought up Wanted as something that they could do, uh, which would be really cool because the movie was, was, was good. Uh, but obviously, you know, for a lot of reasons, it, it really changed the angle from a super 
villain organization in the original Wanted uh, comic book into more of a spy organization kind of thing. Um, so to do a want, Wanted as a, as a series, I think, to kind of expand on that uh, costume villain mythology that that Warren uh, that Mark Mark uh, that yeah. Mark Millar put into uh, the original Wanted comic would be great. Uh, Eminem has aged out, so he can't play the role. Uh, <laughs> Which but, is crazy because uh, when I read that book, I was like, "Holy shit, this is him." That was the intent. Millar <laughs> even said like he wrote it for 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 Eminem essentially, you know, um, and. You know, I think we might unfortunately have like I don't know, like Machine Gun Kelly play that character. Oh, uh, then I'm definitely not watching. But whatever. <laughs> but well, well, and, and you know, Mark Millar is really known for taking like these tropes and kind of like spinning them on their heads and stuff like that. So you had sort of like uh, Irredeemable, which is great, which is pretty much asked the question of what if Superman just freaking flipped and just started <laughs> taking everybody out, but not all at once, like like long and 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 drawn out. So yeah. that people just really feared him and just were feeling like fearing their lives. Yeah. Uh, I, I loved uh, Superior, um, the uh, the one where the kid it was it it, it was very much a Shazam type story. Yeah, but it was but sad. with like movie Superman. Yeah, it was sad. It was sad, but I love that sort of that that wish fulfillment concept and things yeah. like that. And I thought it was beautifully illustrated by Laniel Yu. Uh, and the other thing that is also cool about Mark Millar is if you ever have a chance to read his Marvel series uh, 1985 that he did mm -hmm. going on about 15 or so years ago, that real world, quote unquote, real world of of that miniseries where the Marvel universe of the 1985 breaches through, right? Mm -hmm. um, that is the same reality as a lot of the, of most of the Miller world stuff. So, so I think in the real world segments, I think there's posters for superior, the movie, right? It's oh, funny. So it's, so it's, it is actually that reality, which I, I think I always love that kind of stuff when, when writers can sort of do, intercompany crossovers without actually doing intercompany crossovers where they can cheat it like that right so i always think that that's really cool it just adds another level of cool i think to uh, yeah yeah work. well i mean he's still working these days he's got his third volume of magic order coming out and now he's hooked up with uh artist jorge jimenez and they're gonna do another i guess iteration of uh nemesis yes which is cool. the evil batman dressed in white <laughs> um, which is cool because I did read it. I, I haven't read it recently, and I, and I think I might pick it up again and read it because it was a really good quick read. Um, but to find out after you know everything that's gone on with uh, the Nemesis character, to find out that he's not actually the most evil. There's somebody <laughs> behind the scenes pulling the strings and stuff like that. So I wonder if it's going to touch on that because he's sort of like a uh, a piece of the puzzle of you know something more vicious that's going on in the background so yeah so look out for that so if you haven't read it it's definitely worth a pick up and a read um it's just you know batman never kills yeah no he, he kills and does a lot more um in this one so uh, check that out if you can yeah. and then uh yeah it should be coming out i think by the end of this year if not early next year uh the other news that came out of san diego comic-con was the Spawn Batman crossover. It's back. Everything it's from the 90s back. comes back. Now, <laughs> did, did, did Greg Capullo do the one in the 90s also? 
Uh, no, so the, the there were two. Image did one. Right. That was written by Frank Miller and illustrated by Todd McFarlane. By Todd McFarlane, right. And then the DC one, I want to say it was like Chuck Dixon wrote it, uh, but I know Klaus Jansen did the uh, the pencils on that. Yes, correct. All right. And uh, that one I remember specifically, uh, the DC one specifically focused on Roanoke, the Roanoke colony from yep. that mysteriously disappeared in Virginia back in the olden times. And the uh, image one, the Frank Miller uh, McFarlane written one, is actually has this great little thing in like the inside front cover. It says, note, this takes place as part of Frank Miller's like Dark Knight Batman work, right? Mm. So so it, it, it fits, um, you know, we, we would it, chronology back then would be year one. Uh, then it would be this like 1979 Christmas story that he did that he includes yep, because yep, he did that. it. And then, uh, then this, this Batman Spawn story. And then Dark Knight Returns. Which, uh, which I always thought was really cool because, again, that's Frank Miller, you know, what I was just talking about, Mark Miller doing, doing that with his little Batman universe there. Right. And I just always thought that was a nice touch that, 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 that it counted for something, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. no, well, this is cool because now you have um, the original, you know, Spawn team, you know, getting back together, going to Greg Capullo and Todd McFarlane. So, Todd McFarlane, cool. pretty, pretty sure he's going to be doing covers or helping out with covers. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely the story and plot and Capullo on pencils and stuff like that. So and I'm excited. And and Capullo has done both characters. Yes, yes, yes. So that's what's great about it. Yeah. And what and it's promised by December of this year. So and Capullo's been throwing out pencils left and right on his Instagram. So and he's he. I don't think he really misses any deadlines anyway. No. So I, yeah. I think I think we're pretty much safe. So we'll look out for uh, what is that November October. Uh, previews to see if it ends up in uh, the DC Connect, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm gonna get every cover and every copy and fuck <laughs> anybody, so it's all good. Okay, uh, I love I love the ending of the original one, the McFarlane Frank Miller one, just that last panel of just the spawn with the batarang, you know, that yes. flash of spawn with the batarang sticking out of his face. Yeah, and I looked and I thought I had it, and I don't have it, so I'm so uh, pissed off. But uh, maybe I'll get my hands on a copy of it. Some prick out there is not overpricing for it. Yeah, um, yeah, there are a lot of them made, so I don't think that should be a problem, right? Yeah. Um, all right, moving on. So we've got some, I guess, uh, on-screen and movie stuff going on. So Sandman is Sandman. tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. excited? I am very excited. I was leery I, I, of, of changes that I, I knew and thought they were going to make. But the more I have seen and the more I've been reading – about it, I feel that this is going to be, I think, a, a pretty good straightforward forward adaptation, and I think the changes are just going to be mildly annoying at best. So, uh, <laughs> I, you know, but you know, again, that's cautiously optimistic. Yeah, well, you know what? Again, you got to accept it for what it is, and and I think what it is, even with the changes, for people who who are going in cold and and don't know, I think this is going to be really cool for them, and yeah. I really hope it will lead them, you know, to the source material so they can actually you know read the comic in its in its you know comic stages right, as, it, right. as it was created you know but again a lot of these changes are necessary because the book initially was 
fully set, situated in the DC universe. And you had Scott Free, Mr. Miracle. You right. had Marvin, um, uh, Martian Manhunter. Man you had uh, uh, Dr. Destiny was a Justice League villain that was repurposed for this story. So, you know, it makes sense to not include those. Um, I get that, you know, the, the John Constantine, Johanna Constantine situation is, I think, a fair compromise since, you know, there are plans for John Constantine that they were not allowed to do. Um, the uh, They are managing to put in John D. if he's not the Dr. Destiny from the Justice League comic books. That's fine. The show is its own beast. And so uh, unlike the comic, which started fully in the DC universe and then moved out into its own Vertigo world and became very much its own thing very early on, this show gets the opportunity to start in its own world, in its own reality, and not have to connect to anything. Right. So I think that that's fortunate for the creator 35 years later to have that opportunity. Yeah, and you're going to have people of two minds that are coming into this, right? You have people like you who read the entire run, so you pretty much know where everything needs to be, what characters are there, what's not going to be there, what's going to be replaced. Um, so you, you have a more vested interest of being more pissed off of changes <laughs> that you don't like. As like American myself. Gods. I, I'm yes. so angry about American Gods, but go on. <laughs> but yeah, unlike myself, well, I just read the first volume and it's been so long that it's just yeah. like out of sight, out of mind. So I'm going in it fresh. And to me, it's just going to be whether or not it's going to be entertaining enough to want to watch the whole thing as opposed to you, I, where you're going to be looking for, you know, how much does it deviate from the source material? Yeah, well, I'm also going to be, ho I'm hoping to be entertained by it. And, right. You know, one of the things, too, about adaptations is, is you know, you do like even though it's so weird it's like weird line right you 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 want that familiarity you want that comfort of the thing that you know to be adapted faithfully right but as someone who likes being surprised by stories it's also fun to see how it'll deviate and if that's entertaining and i do like there there are things that have been changed where i'm like oh i like i like this like i don't know where this is going you right. know and i always thought that that was really really you know i think that's a fine line to to, to have is fidelity with experiencing something new and questioning where it's going to go wait so if, wait so if that's the case then you're okay with jake gyllenhaal playing the lead in Roadhouse. <laughs> you know, I, it's like, I, 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 I am not knocking Roadhouse. I know there's this love for Roadhouse. Oh, and, and I would say at least 50 times a day, I do hear Peter Griffin in my head just go, Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Um, and that, so I, I sent that text to you guys, right? <laughs> and that's who was in my head was, was Peter. Was Peter saying Roadhouse. Roadhouse with Jake Gyllenhaal's face on Patrick Swayze's body. You know why I want to see this movie, though? So, so, again, I'm not like, oh, Jake Gyllenhaal can or can is the best Dalton or whatever. Like, Roadhouse is a movie. I saw it. It was great. It's not something that I have, like, this deep love for, so I'm sort of indifferent about this news. Uh, but once I heard Conor McGregor is going to be in the movie, I'm like, ooh, I think I have to see this. I have to see what... And 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 is he going to be the Sam Elliott? Is he going to be, you know, that grizzled old guy that's, like, trading Jake Gyllenhaal, who technically, I guess, is older than Conor McGregor at this point. Anyway, I don't know. I'm, I'm, at this point, the Conor McGregor news has me so fascinated and interest that I that it did actually I'm like, oh maybe I'll check this one out. 
Oh my god, it's just gonna be hilarious. Yeah, I think we just run out of material to do, and they're just going back to the eighties and nineties and remaking stuff. So, well, again, um, Batman Spawn is you know is your other announcement there. Yeah, right? but so. you know what? If you, if you get a different story out of it, yes. If, if yeah. it's not a remake of the original content, but an expansion or something, a new story, cool. But if and you're I, gonna redo a movie that's already been done, I mean, what yeah. would I just watch? Uh, Red Sun was it? No, what's it called? Red Dawn. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, and I'm like, I watched the original first just to give it a go. And I, I swear to God, I went in open-minded and I was like, how the fuck did they penetrate the borders? <laughs> and then I watched the new one and then, you know, it was pretty much almost a frame-by-frame frame kind of thing until you get to the very end. And I was like, holy shit, I like that. That's mm. a little bit more realistic. So sometimes <laughs> you can be pleasantly surprised with a remake. Yeah. And an update or something. So well, the other the other two with Batman Spawn, this is something fans have been really yeah. wanting to see again. And yeah. you have you know one to two generations of fans that never were, were not around for the first one and probably don't even really know that the first one happened yes. uh, or first two. Uh, whereas with the Roadhouse remake, I, you know, I, I there's not a lot of people that were out there screaming for Roadhouse to be remade because they <laughs> love the movie. No, they love the original movie. A so AJ much. was the one first one online almost, picketing. No, <laughs> it was almost the um, it's you know it's it's almost loved for what it is. It's almost an unremakeable film, I think, for right. a lot of the right. diehard Roadhouseians out there. Um, and I know there was the Ronda Rousey attempt that apparently never happened. I thought it did, but I guess she made a similar movie. But oh. um, but but so so that's the thing. It's like. Batman Spawn, that's something people really want. Roadhouse, I think that there's people that are, yes, upset about it. In fact, we know someone who's upset about this. Uh, it's going to be a ton, but it doesn't matter. All right, moving <laughs> on. Um, last but not least, uh, I'm really looking forward to Citizen Mars. So now, correct me if I'm wrong, because you're the historian on the show. The original <laughs> license for Predator, did it fall on Dark Horse, or was there somebody before them? Um, the original Predator comic, I believe, was Dark Horse. I could was, be right? wrong. Yep. Um, it was... I, I can remember the story. The story was uh, Schwarzenegger's brother uh, was Dutch. stateside. No, he was Dutch. What was his brother's name? Because his brother was in the comics. Right, his brother... It was his, yeah, that's the thing. The first Predator comic focused on yep. Dutch's brother. Yep. And it was, it was like Fritz or something like that, right? Yep. It was like... Some um, weird shit. And he was a cop and I think it was the Predator in the city, right? And then, which later, I guess, sort of became the Predator 2, just you put in Stan, Sam, uh, Danny Glover. Um, yes, it has to be, because I have it upstairs, and it's it's Dark Horse, unless Dark yeah. Horse reprinted it from other material. It, uh, it was Terminator was with, I think, a, a smaller press before it got picked up with right. by Dark Horse. I, that's that's where the Schwarzenegger comic properties, that's where I was I was trying to sort that out but yeah the original predator was licensed with the comic was with dark horse yeah and and now it's obviously with marvel because they yeah. got their book coming out but what are the i love the series no matter how bad the movie is i mean <laughs> even even so my only quarrel with predator 2 is that danny glover was the lead <laughs> that was the only thing other than that that movie was i mean you had uh freaking bill paxton no, oh, yeah. The only guy that got killed by a predator, an alien, and a terminator. Yes. <laughs> and uh, a great, great, uh, great death. Great. Uh, oh, dude, yeah, just yeah, the it, best predator too. Yeah. Um, and so, but then once it went from Predator One to Predator Two, that's where the naming convention just went out the window. Yes. Yeah. So you just have to look at the dates of when stuff was released to figure out 
how you watch <laughs> each one of the Predator movies. Because uh, then they had the crossover with the aliens and stuff like that, yeah. uh, which is pretty cool. So tomorrow we have Prey, Prey. coming yes. out, which looks freaking awesome. And this is supposed to happen way before any of the Predator movies because this is happening in sort of like that uh, apocalyptic time. So this is supposed to be sort of like the first Predator um, doing their, their, their hunting thing. It's like so, Com- Comanche Indians, I, think, I believe, right? And it's all in native language. Yeah. 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 Is it? Is it? Oh, is it going to be heard. one of these things I'm going to have to freaking read? I Don't tell me that. I think like Apocalyptica, uh, yeah, you're going to have to read the subtitles. I think. Oh, you fuck not. Except the subtitles are also in Comanche. <laughs> that'd be hilarious so yeah so i i was looking for movie tickets because i was like really excited to go see this in the movies come to find out that it's going to be on hulu so yes woohoo! so for those of you that have hulu tomorrow pray check it out it should be it should be good I, i'm i can't if you don't have hulu then you suck so um, <laughs> you can just uh you'll hear about it on the social media the next day uh, so yeah, so that's the news that we have for you this week. Um, all right, let's let's get let's dive right into it. So let's we've got uh, the books. Yeah, I have two books. Do you have anything other than what I've read? Yeah, I actually did read uh, two others. So um, or I, wait, um, no, I read three others than you did. We read one of the same book. Oh wow! Okay, so let, let's rock and roll. What's your yeah. first one? Why don't you so start with something? I am going to start with. The Vineyard by Aftershock. I want to say really quick, the four books I read, it's great. It's like four of our top publishers. Aftershock, AWA, Upshot, Image, Mm. and Dark Horse. So um, I just wanted to put that out there. I thought that was really cool. So yeah, we're going to start with The Vineyard from Aftershock. uh, Written by Brian Hawkins. uh, Illustrated by Sammy Cavella. Colored by Jason Wordy. And lettered by Taylor Esposito and uh edited by mike martz uh so this is a really cool book again aftershock you get uh some really good back matter uh diary pages from one of the characters that uh that we meet uh this is the story of a family that owns a vineyard in virginia and the patriarch of the family is a uh, worshiper of Dionysus. So this, uh, yeah, so this guy makes this deal with Dionysus that he will have the greatest vineyard in probably the country, I guess they believe, uh, if, they, if, if he makes four human sacrifices per year to the god of Dionysus. And in this uh, milieu, he was able to have a wife and a son and a daughter. Uh, the daughter realizes uh, basically what is going on. So she has left the family. The son is uh, just turned an able-bodied 21 years old. The father, the patriarch, had gotten into a crippling accident a year earlier or just about a year ago as the comic begins. Mm. And so he is unable to perform the sacrifices. So it falls upon his wife to try and, um, you know, achieve this 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 goal for Dionysus and her first time out doesn't go well. And so the son is kind of drafted to clean up her mess to make the kill. And then the father kind of pulls the son further into this sort of um, world. So it was very interesting. It is, um, 
one of two religious based books that I read. Mm. Though this is more off into the, you know, and there's a point that's made too. you know, the, the patriarch when he's explaining to his son, Adonis, uh, you know, because the, 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 there's a lot of Greek names, a lot of Greek mythology names within the family as well. Um, so they did name their son Adonis. And he explains this to his son, you know, oh, while the rest of the world is, is embraced monotheism, I found the real power is in the lost gods and things like that. So, so it was very, uh, you know, really wears its, um, uh, turning its nose up at traditional religion on its sleeve, so to speak. Uh, but again, these are not good people. This family is an awful, terrible family, and they are in a one really big mess. Uh, the art is, you know, standard basic it's not breaking the wheel uh but it conveys the mood really well um it is more of a i would say what you would expect from a superhero type comic art mm. rather than what we're used to mm. in a lot of these horror mystery type things um but i think it's really effective he does a really good job with the characters and with some of the other worldly creatures that are in this uh and the and a book called the vine vineyard the, the vineyard the vineyard has has to have vines and this guy's really good at drawing these you know overbearing oppressive and creeping vines throughout this book uh so i thought that was really really uh really well done so yeah i'm uh, intrigued by this uh this family and what what's going to happen um the daughter of course is going to come back home to try and sort out this mess that uh, that she ran away from. So I think that dynamic is going to be really interesting. And again, the otherworldly elements are they're, they're not overstated, but they're not understated either. So it's going to be interesting to see also how these sort of otherworldly Dionysian nymphs and, you know, weed creatures and vine creatures kind of will play into the narrative as it goes on. So uh, Aftershock, uh, another another really good first issue, The Vineyard. Um, yeah, I would check it out if you like family drama and if you like horror and creepy mysteries. So Cool. So if, if you're like friends with a demigod, this is probably the perfect book for you, right? <laughs> no, because honestly, it doesn't put the, it doesn't put them in a good light. Oh, right? really? So that's, yeah, no. Uh, so it's may, not like Marvel. Maybe Comics you need to read it with your light. demigod for next to you so he can protect you. <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, I think we're good with the um, you know the Marvel comic Hercules and the Shazam stuff that we that we we talk about. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, all right, guys, check it out. All right, moving on to the next one. So, uh, I did you read the Dead Lucky also? I did not read The Dead Lucky. All right, so The Dead Lucky from Image Comics. Uh, it is written by Melissa Flores. Uh, it is The art is by French uh, Carlo Magno. Uh, colors by Mattia Icano and letters by Becca Carey. Uh, it's good old-fashioned. This is going to be a superhero book. I just know it off the top just by opening <laughs> up the first page and end. And, and. Um, I think there was influence or, or there was something because I was starting to read the back of the book. Um, but somebody from the creative team on Radiant Black definitely had some influence on uh, on this particular book. Because if you look at it, the, the art is really close to like uh, Radiant Black, which is also another image book, uh, superhero book. Uh, but pretty much you have a soldier uh, who's come back from Afghanistan to now live in San Francisco, back with her family. Her name is Bibiana I think Lopez Yang, he's some kind of like a Spanish text that mixed with uh, Chinese and they, they live in Chinatown. So she's basically coming back and she's seeing a uh, psychiatrist to kind of help her through her PTSD 
Uh, I believe she's the only person from her unit that actually came back. But she didn't come back just herself. She came back with like uh, powers that are not explained yet. Basically, she can, you know, take hold of electrical charges and control them and then uh, disperse them, uh, which is pretty cool. So it opens up with her in like this this badass freaking superhero suit with like a kind of like a skull face. Mm. Um, and then it goes into sort of like the background where she's meeting with the psychiatrist and then going into San Francisco. And what's really fun, well, not funny, but what I really liked about um, the way that this was written is that that narration is not, is being narrated by her, obviously, but the narration is not in uh, narration text. So you know how you get the square bound text? Mm -hmm. and you know that the person's thinking themselves or they're narrating the story. Mm -hmm. It's no, it, it's her talking out loud. She talks mm -hmm. to herself all the time. <laughs> and while other people are in the room, That's and great. so they don't know if she's talking to them or <laughs> if she's talking to herself, but she has to constantly remind them, no, I'm talking to myself. Yeah, you do that a lot. You're strange. I thought I was strange before I left uh, for Afghanistan or whatever for the army. So it, is, it, it comes up constantly with the people that are around her um as she's doing it so it's pretty cool but uh i, I believe it takes place somewhat in the future because they have like robots in the street and stuff like that so basically you have this was a second book that and, and i'm pretty sure we're going to touch on it but when you have things that are going on in current events mm -hmm. and they're being written into books if it's not the if it's not at the forefront of the message of the book then i'm okay with it, it because it's just you know using real life to inspire art right mm -hmm. as opposed to propaganda books that are just like bashing you over the head with all this terminology of the current time mm -hmm. so this walks sort of like that fine line of that because here you have this you know part of san francisco that's being bought out by this big corporation called morrow and so they're privatizing sort of like the police department because they have these automated robots that are helping to keep this part of San Francisco safe. But at the same time, they're trying to drive out the people that live there and the businesses so they can completely own it and build up on it. So that's how they end up, you know, making more money. So gentrifying it, I guess, is what you would say mm -hmm. um, in that case. And so her family, her father, her mother owned this Chinese restaurant. Um, and they don't want to move. So they have sort of like this liaison of the Morrow company who's coming in and trying to convince them to leave their, you know, their restaurant and move on. And, you know, they'll help relocate and stuff like that. It almost reminded me of like Robocop 3, where they're mm. just trying to move everybody out of Detroit, this, this area. Um, and so right now they're, they're sort of like in the diplomatic phase which is asking people to move and, and and helping them with the move and stuff like that and she has a, a police officer liaison that's protecting her because there's a local gang that's you know been raising ruckus and stuff like that so that, that it's, it's it's cool because you have this really good setup of different sides you know you have the the moral side of you know this company trying to come in and protect the citizens is, is how they're coming across uh, with these robots but they're like, if you don't leave, these robots are going to end up leaving soon and you're going to be subject to whatever's going on with the gangs and stuff like that. So you won't have the protection of the company anymore. And then you have this soldier that's come back from, you know, war and, you know, dealing with, you know, always wanting to come back home. But the home that she's coming back to, she can't remember because she, of everything that she's seen. 
And then now she also has to deal with sort of like this, this power that she's she's gotten, which I'm hoping they explain down the road, and I'm pretty sure that they will um, off of that. And then how that world is starting to intersect with her world at home because her parents are involved in this particular situation. So I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, hmm. I, I read Radiant Black, and, and, you know, the art is kind of similar to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, you know, basic line work um, and really, like, bright hues of color and stuff like that so it works really good with this book but the artist did something that i think i didn't find in radiant black which is um like the emotional expressions on the characters okay. were drawn drawn really well um you know and, and the layouts were were really good so the, the creative team on this was great and then i started to read the back of the book which is sort of like the letter from the uh the writer and how she was you know really surprise um and, and had a sort of like an emotional reaction to image being able to publish a book so yeah it looks like this is going to be something that she you know is really invested in and you can tell because it, it, it's written really well really easy to follow so i enjoyed it and i think i'm going to keep with it um to see if a lot of the answer, like questions that i have um are going to be answered throughout and stuff like that so yeah, uh, I, I'd put this under the superhero category kind of thing, um, and sort of, and it has some of that kind of that underlying messaging that we get from today's current events and stuff like that. But it didn't beat you over the head with it, so right. I was okay with it because I've read some books now. Then I just roll my eyes and I'm just yeah. like, oh, I just can't do it. <laughs> not for not for 22 pages, please. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the Dead Lucky from Image Comics. Check it out. It, it's it's definitely worth at least the first issue. Pick up a read, you know, building up that world and and that background for the characters. Uh, I'm I'm invested in her because I want to see actually what happens with her because she's so. It's almost like she has uh, a sarcastic attitude towards the world because she doesn't know how to be in it. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's sort of like a defense mechanism, especially when she's talking to her doctor and stuff like that. So, yeah, check it out, guys. All right, cool. What do you, what do you have next? So I'm going to go uh, over to AWA Upshot and okay. uh, their book, Sacrament. Um, and so, again, just like uh, the Vineyard, uh, this does have a heavy religious theme. But, you know, to your point, um, these use, you know, th these are not necessarily making statements against, you know, organized religion or things like that. They're just sort of using them as story backdrops. Mm. Uh, Vineyard, obviously, is, you know, if modern people still worship the crazy old gods of the hokey religions of the past you know uh like dionysus who if you know about dionysus that guy was a party monster right mm -hmm. so um so it's it's using it as a backdrop it's not really the statement isn't to say here nor there about religion it's just to tell a good story uh so i appreciated that in vineyard um and i think that's sort of the same thing that's happening in sacrament because again, I didn't feel like this was a heavy-handed uh, diatribe against organized religion. What this did um, is it looks at what we know now as Catholicism, mm -hmm. as it might appear in the year 2999, when we have broken the bounds of Earth and are actually now colonizing other planets. And again, you know, like missionaries of old, you know, the older planets, the word of God had been spread, right? And then the mm. newer planets are not necessarily in tune with that, but you still have these priests and, and their uh, apprentice nuns sort of going from planet to planet, giving 
actually illegal religious services to folks. Uh, so this is Sacrament, and it is a five-issue mini from AWA Upshot, like I said. Uh, it is written by Peter Milligan in his ongoing quest to basically have uh, a book on the shelf every week. Um, cause this guy is, 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 is writing so much right now and, um, he never really loses a step. So I'm a big fan of Peter Milligan. I really, really dig what he does. Uh, and then it is illustrated by Marcello Frusen and Marcello Frusen is, uh, more known for his, I think his mainstream superhero type work. He does say in the back of this book, this is his first sci-fi fantasy horror type project that he's tackled and he fully colored it too apparently he mm. uh and it looks like he lettered it as well uh because that's the only credits that i'm seeing right now in the book so the year is 29.99 and as i said um we have broken the bounds of the confines of earth um and we do follow a specific priest who is ve has a very dark past as well as a very just dark and and he's really lost his faith right and he's actually very much a womanizer too which is something that you know you're really not supposed to be as a priest and it's really interesting this sort of the way religion is handled in here um oh i'm sorry here i go sal cipriano did the lettering and um and it's funny because there's a title page in here I'm going to get to in a second that 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 I did have a quibble with. So uh, okay. in this in this world, so in this world, um, they no longer do you know the 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 sacrament with the wafer and the wine. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a device, the transubstantiation transubstantiation device that if you put it to your the front of your brain, it gives you that calming effect uh, on the uh, you know your frontal lobe to to sort of mimic that feeling of spiritual connectedness right mm. so it's yeah it's like a dodgy technology that is being used by these priests and this guy uses it on himself all the time so it's like his like his big besides ladies it's his big vice is using the transub device on himself which i don't think you're supposed to do either um <laughs> they are still asked to perform exorcisms but he you know in his research he sees that it's more environmental conditions from these planets that they're living on that are causing you know ailments and deaths that seem like an exorcism so it opens with him you know exercise trying to exercise a little girl a young girl who who is ill but it's a planet that is full of unbreathable air and just toxic environment so long-term exposure you know would have these lesions erupt on the skin and cause you to spittle blood and you know speak weird and then eventually die mm. so he's sort of you know he's lost his faith so much that you know yeah every time he does something like an exorcism he goes to the science to see exactly what it was he was dealing with but he's so disenfranchised he's doing it after the fact he's not doing it before the fact um and so there's also uh basically these like i said these priests are outlawed so there is a sort of police force uh that are and a military force that are having these very strange experiences having you know, these deaths that have these very heavy religious overtones, specifically the upside down cross is a recurring theme in all of these murders and murder suicides. And the 
So basically, they have a wide, a, a, a galaxy-wide manhunt to find this this priest to bring him in to help solve what's going on because they think it is demonic. But he is he's sort of like, you know, I don't think it's demonic, even though that's the official story, that it's not demonic. But they, they really kind of, they sort of land on this idea that somebody is going through and giving sermons that are corrupting the peop- these people who are then going out and committing these acts. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden you have this question of, okay, well, your most likely candidate to do that would be this very priest that they hired. So I, I, it's a really interesting mystery. Again, I don't think I'm doing it a, a lot of justice in how multi-layered this story is, even though it's right. a very short first issue. Um, and then again, you also have the dark moment from the hero character's past, which was an exorcism that apparently went wrong. And that's where this guy started his like disillusionment of faith. So I, again, it's really fascinating. Peter Milligan the guy just comes up with these amazing concepts and executes them so well uh, that I just, I, I think this is something that should be read just to, to see exactly what he's putting out there. Again, it's not necessarily making a point of, uh, about religion being bad. It's just used as a backdrop for the story. And, and again, it, the, the, the disillusioned priest is always a very compelling uh, main character. Think of the exorcist, right? Right. Um, so, you know, this definitely has uh, exorcist vibes um, along with um, God, I'm trying to think of like what's a good weird space type movie. I almost <sighs> visually, I almost want to say it's like those Riddick movies, right? Right. As far as the style of the, the tech in the future and everything like that. The one quibble I do have and it's just like, again, it's a minor continuity quibble. Um there's a re he's not consistent with the ships that he, that they're using to go from a to B at various points. And it looks like they're just sort of jockeying on different ships. Um, but it's hard to tell if they have their own ship or not, because it, somebody made the decision to do a title page. That's a two page spread of a blown up image of a ship that shows up later in the book. Uh-huh. And that was my minor quibble. It just, uh, it, it <laughs> kind of confu- confused me as I'm like, wait, how many ships do they have? And where, wait, where does this, where did this come from? What's going on? But, um, but I really a plus effort on sacrament. Um, again, uh, Peter Milligan is such a fascinating writer that um, I'm a game for anything that he does. And, um, you know, he always delivers for me. So, yeah, Sacrament, A.W.A. Upshot. Uh, if you really like um, if you if you really like it, you know what? The Exorcist meets Alien, the original Alien. Ooh, very much okay. like that. Yeah. It's that dark, moody, dripping, wet, metallic corridor what's going to jump out at me at any second type story. Cool. So the only thing that I would say is like, especially with like AWA, I know they're not a huge publisher right now. So we don't carry a lot of them. I mean, I, mm-hmm. you go throughout the entire U S you're going to have more stores that are more indie driven some that are more, you know, big two driven and stuff like that. So if these books are not on your shelves, just know that they are out there. You just need to either look at the previews, or Asher store owners, especially when it comes to like AWA and stuff like yeah. that. Because they are relatively new. I think they're within the, the last two years. And yeah. they've had some great stuff. So um, it'd be a shame to to not have, you know, more of this stuff out there. So definitely, uh, if you're not seeing them on the shelves, make sure you ask your, uh, your shop owners for that. 
All yeah, right, that's cool. a great point because you know any any shop owner worth their salt, they're gonna try and get it for you if the customer asks, and then that just helps get it out into more stores too. You know, because yeah. they're gonna be like, oh, you know what? If this guy wants it, maybe somebody else will want it. You know, and and so yeah, that's how these things get out there. But yeah, do do your previews, but always ask your shop owner. And and if your shop owner doesn't want to order something for you, well, then they don't want to be in business for <laughs> that much longer. Um, all right, cool. All right, so you have one other one that um, I didn't read, right? Yeah. So uh, this is also image. And it's funny because this this shares something with the other book that we did both read okay. as far as it's a, um, hey, here's a beloved property that a lot of people grew up with. And let's take it and let's just twist it on its head and make it different. So this is Golden Rage mm -hmm. by Image Comics. Uh, this is written by Chrissy Williams, uh, illustrated by Lauren Knight, colored by Sophie Dodgson. Um a credit here called Flats by Shane Hanna Sweet. And then letters and design by Becca Carey and do, editing by Joe Met Gill. Do you know what flats are, right? Well, uh, no, let me know. All right. So when, when you're going through the artist process, mm -hmm. so before you give it to the colorist, there's sometimes they hire a flatter. And a okay. flatter is somebody who takes all of the art that's been developed in that black and white, and then they color the art with flat colors. Okay. So the color range that normally was going to go into that panel. And then that's when the colorist comes in and they start to give it hues and start to give it, you know, a little bit more shape and stuff like that. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I so can see that. Yeah. Dude, it's the most tedious because when, <laughs> when I was in school, we had a flatter on work. Um, it, and I used to, when I, before I flatted, I used to just color outright. But there's a benefit to flatting, especially when you're using like current programs now, is that you can isolate those particular colors and then do whatever you want to them without affecting the rest of the page, which is pretty cool. So, hmm. yeah. Oh, that's the first time I've seen a flatter freaking credit on a, on a book. Good yeah, it's them. good. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, you know what? It does uh, It does give an interesting look to, to this material. Uh, so this, this Golden Rage, this is basically a... Um, uh, Golden Girls meets Fight Club almost environment. Okay, and, and, I would have and, loved to see that. And the the you know, and honestly, Golden Girls meets Fight Club is, is <laughs> in and of itself sounds like it's a great concept. Yes. This isn't quite that. Betty White with knuckles. Like, yeah, it's like, but they're not. They're yeah. It's funny because the 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 cover, the main cover, has the two two hands you know extended out with blood dripping on them with a bracelet that says Grandma. Oh. Um, but the the only thing is that it's not Fight Club because it's not like this crazy group of women who are meeting in a house to just beat the crap out of each other and not talk about it mm. and then eventually take over corporate America. Now, like like it it they this takes place on an island. Um, and I have no idea if this is a future or, or, or what, because there's no real time context here. But on this island, when women hit menopause, they get, um, you know, they get ostracized from the main population. <laughs> so they get go off to their own little part of the island. And on top of that, there's this this other group of older women that are terrorizing most of the women in this, you know, ostracized community, and they're called the red hats. And I, you know, I don't know if you have 
you know, anyone out there has like, you know, older relatives, um, the red hats are sort of a thing. It's uh, in, in, in our real world. Um, they're sort of like a social group for women and they have functions. They play bunko and, you know, they, they, they have, they just do events and go do things together and they all wear red hats. And these women wear like red, like, you know, knit hats or whatever, mm -hmm. like, like, you know, cause they're punks. Right. And they just go, they terrorize all these other old women. So you sort of have a faction of these women that are trying to um, protect themselves against them, but also fight back against the red hats and into this sort of environment is uh, a very young woman, a woman who hit menopause very early so she's mm. like like late 40s early 50s compared to these others you know in their 60s 70s and 80s um but you kind of have the dynamics of your golden girls characters and i know there's a lot of love for that show i and i have watched a, an episode or two but i was never into golden girls but the the characters have become archetypes enough over the years that you know everybody knows like betty white was like the dumb one right so there is this sort of betty white type character in this group that we're focused on um b arthur was always sort of the tough one and she was the taller one and the you know the the you know the you know so they take that to another degree and the the, the b arthur type is like this giant woman right and she uh, doesn't speak in full sentences and she's the muscle you know um so so you have sort of these little golden girls archetypes but sort of heightened um which I don't know if it's going to please Golden Girl fans or it's going to piss them off, mm. but I don't even think this is necessarily for Golden Girls fans. I think it's for, you know, someone like me who like, oh, I know of, of that show. I know these archetypes. L you know, I want to kind of let's see where this goes. And it was interesting. I, now, I, I have a question, though. Yeah. Is, is there a reason why they're ostracizing women that are going through menopause? Not really explained. Just okay. this group, the girl who, who was introduced there, she's like, well, I want to go back. And they're like, they're not going to let you. You you're here for a reason. It's you know because you can't you you don't have to you know like you've outlived. You can't your produce anymore, right? Yeah, you can't reproduce anymore. So I don't know if it's a mini or if it's an ongoing. Um, the number the, the the issue number does have a you know it's a zero one. So I always look at that as an indication of okay they want this to be an ongoing. Um, and so you know will they break free of their isolation and go back to the main society and, and, and tear shit up there. That would be really cool. Mm. Um, because I think, you know, you know, I think the, the camaraderie between these women in this situation, um, is interesting and was engaging enough and, you know, helping them, helping the younger person kind of adjust and acclimate is, uh, really interesting. And I think, um, you know, I think it does some things for women empowerment, sure, especially for for elder, you know, older women to to you know to say, look, everybody still has value even if they can't reproduce anymore. Uh, so I think that's probably the the moral point of the story. But yeah, old ladies beating each other up, uh, you know, in, in the wilderness, it's kind of a cool concept. And it was really <laughs> well executed, and it looks really good. I think the art style lends itself really well to the material. Um, and and uh, yeah, I I'm I'm kind of interested to see where this goes a little bit further, um, and um, and I hope uh, I hope it's as fun uh, 
subsequent issues as the first issue was. Cool. God, God, I love independent comics. We can just do whatever <laughs> we want. Uh, and right, Image cool. too. Image, they don't give any. They don't give an F. They don't no. put anything out there now. You know. That's great. The more, the merrier. All right, Golden Rage from Image Comics. All right, last but not least, uh, and definitely my favorite <laughs> book this week because it just, you know, you go back to childhood and it's like, oh, my God, talk about, you know, taking a trope and flipping it on its head. Yeah. Um, all right, so you have Survival Street from Dark Horse, issue number one, script by James Asmus, uh, Jim Festanti, uh, art by ooh, Abby Lay, Kuzi Shnav. I'm going to assume that's some kind of either Russian or somewhere over there. Uh, colors by Ellie, Ellie Wright, who I follow her on Twitter. She's a good colorist. Oh, nice. Um, letters by Taylor Esposito, and then you have cover artists. Um, all right, just, all right, so we talk about one of those, like, propaganda books, like, right up there. But what's cool about this one is that this is sort of like a, a possible likely future mm -hmm. if we keep going down the rabbit hole that this country is somewhat going in. And and to that to, for most people, if we look at politically, you have, and and I don't want this to become a political discussion, but we look at ranges of you know perspective. And right now we have a two party system in this country, and so if we keep a two party system. You have one party that's like, oh yeah, we need more government, and then the other part is you know we need less government. So this is what if the side that says, what if we had less government won. And basically, you have sort of like this timeline that opens you up in the book about how the Supreme Court overturns a certain law that allows companies um, to be able to run for office now. Because not, right not, not, just, not just the Supreme Court, a 16-person Supreme Court. Yes, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, so right now, I believe the way that it works is somebody who wants to run for president of the country has to relinquish themselves from any company that they run yes and then run the office and whatever so this is the whole thing that we had with you know our previous president right just relinquished everything to his kids but you know it still stays within the family so this took away all of that and allowed the companies to actually run um for legislative offices so i i think personally myself where most everything gets done is in Congress. So if mm. corporations own 83%, 90% of Congress, they're going to privatize everything. <laughs> so basically, by 2028, they get rid of all public offices. So that's going to be uh, your mail. That's going to be anything that the government runs is gone, and it's all privatized for profit. But what's hilarious is they start to even privatize highways and everything yeah so highways are bought out by companies and you have to pay a tax for that company to drive on their road hilarious <laughs> that yep. by itself is just a concept that's fucking out there but then what does this book do it throws in another freaking a monkey in a wrench or a monkey wrench <laughs> and now you have uh, a show that's similar to like sesame street that you're growing up with right yep. But the puppets themselves are actually real. Yes. They're anthropomorphic. So you don't have people sticking their hands up these puppets. <laughs> Though they are aware of that, that that is something that is done. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Which is great. Like, there's so line, much yeah. goodness in this book. So basically, this story is going to revolve around them. So you have backstory of what's going on in the nation. 
And this particular, you know, TV show that's on a public network is being shut down, like almost immediately by the corporations because of like the messages that they send out about fairness and, and all that stuff. So they want it shut out completely. So they're shut down. So they band together and they become sort of like these vigilantes to help people that need help. And in this particular issue, it's a bunch of kids that are being sold yep. <laughs> to all these rich people down in Florida. So that for they parts. Can, for parts. <laughs> but instead of instead of buying parts themselves, and it's clever because instead of buying parts for themselves in the black market, they buy a child for their parts and have it as a tax write-off. <laughs> so they save even more money. So it's just it's 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 completely bonkers. It should not exist, but I love that it does exist. And and you have sort of like these characters that kind of resemble characters that you knew growing up uh, or an amalgamation of them. My, my, my absolute favorite is, is Captain Fairness. <laughs> or cor Corporal Fairness. Who Corporal becomes, Fairness, yes. Who becomes Corporal, Corporal Punishment. Because yes. he, is, he is like the one who becomes the most disillusioned by their current state over those few years that he is just a psych, he's a psycho. Yeah, and he he just he's the loose killing he's machine. The, he's the Murdoch of uh, the A team, but he's also the killing machine too. Like right. like he is yeah yeah he he is he's the best. I think he is the definitely one of the best ones. Uh, even like the nice dumb one, the hippopotamus. The hippopotamus uh, has that moment of rage too. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, cor Corporal Fairness, who becomes Corporal Punishment, you're right, is is, is definitely the standout on that. Because it's yeah. Grover. It's Grover. It's Grover. Shooting people in the head. <laughs> and then you have this amalgamation of Bert and Ernie, Bernie, uh, as their as their team leader. And and and, and it's it's not just like it's not black and white cut down the middle, because and then you have this other puppet, her name is yeah. Irma, who used yeah. to be part of their show, who sort of like, and I love that they use Fox as F A W K E S yeah. um, news because that's yeah. her news network now speaking out against these vigilante puppets and she you know she doesn't understand why they're doing what they're doing um, so there's this there's this clever twist it's just really well written I was laughing all the way through and like <laughs> oh my god and, and what's crazy is that you know they're shooting down these guys they're shooting down real people they're they're bleeding and then one of the muppets gets oh one of the muppets, one of the puppets gets shot and it's stuffing. Yep. That gets that comes out. It's not blood, and and, and she ends up sewing herself back up. Sewing back together. Uh, dude, it's it, it's so good. So there's an underlying, you know, I, I guess if, if you're if you're watching Sesame Street, there's always a, a moral to each story. So you have sort of like this moral of, of of what's going on with the country and it how it's losing its soul, and these guys are are wanting to fight back for the people they can't fight for themselves. And in this particular issue, it was these kids. So I think it's gonna it's they're they're on the radar of all these corporations and they, they want they the corporations definitely will want them wiped out. Yeah. And they're doing everything that they can to save whoever they can. Um fuck man, these these guys that came up with this, uh they had to be high. <laughs> and watching Sesame Street. And watching Sesame Street, yeah. <laughs> and like and, and sitting there going, fuck these corporations. If freaking Big Bird was there right there, this is what he would do. And this is this is this is exactly what came out of that. And <laughs> and I'm glad they did it because, dude, I don't know what you think, but I thought this was great. I thought this was fantastic. And it's really funny because there's actually um, one of the writers has a thing in the back cover 
inside back cover talking about you know i guess they used to do live comedy and then they gravitated towards comics mm. they said as their original pitch for this um by the time i guess it went through the approval process some of the stuff that they had written had actually started to happen mm. and so they had to like okay he's like well we, okay we have to make it even crazier you know, we have to really make it even crazier. So to think that they that this is an amped up version of what they originally intended is is wild. Um, and again, that's great because I think just the, the, the insanity of this is, is great because <laughs> it is it is so out there but yet relatable that it yep. just it walks that that line really well. And it is, it is the the bitingness of satire. Um, but again, it does work on a few levels because you could sit there almost and, and, and yeah, I know it does sort of lean a little anti-Republican, um, <laughs> but there are certain things in there. Like when I look at, uh, uh, junior president, right? Yes. Right. I, I could see somebody on both sides saying, oh, well, that's that guy's son. Right. right. Cause there's baggage, you know on the left too with the sons of presidents as well. So, so I kind of like that. It's not too far in the future. It's only like four years in the future, mm-hmm. uh, four, mm-hmm. four to six years in the future. And that it's sort of like this gray area because, you know, it, 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 it opening it, the history, the new timeline of the United States, you know, it's, it, 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 this, this 16 person Supreme court, which again is something that the, the left is trying to push to expand mm. the Supreme court mm. would get you, you. That's something that could backfire against you. So that shows that they, ex, and they're expanding on that ruling from a few years ago, that corporations are citizens. And mm-hmm. they're now saying, like you said, that now these, now since they're citizens, yes, corporations can run for public office and in that following election, they put up so much money, 83% of the contested uh, businesses were filled by corporations. And they changed the flag. You bet that the two panels were showing the American flag with the stars mm-hmm. and then the American flag with the with corporate, the, uh, cor- corporate logos, logos, you know? So, um, so it's, it's really interesting because every politician is beholden to corporations. You know, that's the yeah. thing, yeah. right and left. So that's, that's I think, the balancing act that these guys are doing that yeah there's obvious digs in one direction yes but you can sit there also on the other side and be like oh they're hitting they're hitting that guy too you know so i like i like satire like that 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 shows the that we're all stupid we're all dumb we're all messed up you shouldn't be right versus left if if we just you know sat back poked fun at ourselves and then okay let's make this better you know so i i I like that it is it is a little more middle of the road uh than slanted and i and i appreciate that this is a winner though this is like you said this is a winner and you mentioned dark horse you know having predator you know the first comic that had the predator license you know, Dark Horse lost all their licensing uh, except for just like a few things, right? Mm-hmm. And that was their Star Wars, Predator, you know, these, Conan, these were like big money makers for them. They need more stuff like this and, and they're doing it. And I think yeah. that, that, that losing those cash cows, so to speak, um, opened them up to taking more chances and more risks on books like this. So I love, yeah. I love what they're doing right now. Yeah, good. Good on Michael Richardson for for doing that. So, but uh, 
So I agree with you. The only thing that bothers me a little tiny bit is sort of like the black and white line that, you know, corporations are evil and, uh, you know, this is what you're going to get if we move towards a, a corporate reality. And it doesn't give them a, a human aspect at all. So I'm going to go out of the uh, out of the limb and say, okay, you know, we're watching. So I, I'm pretty sure everyone on the planet has already seen Avengers and Avengers Endgame, right? Mm-hmm. And if we look at Thanos and, and Tom well, Thanos. Well, at least, at least half the people on the planet. Yes, at least half the people on the planet. <laughs> so it's when a villain is doing something that they believe is just or yes. is right for the cause. And so that's the only thing that's missing in his book, right? Is that you have one side completely who feels just in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And then you have the other side that's just doing something that everybody considers evil as fuck. Um, so I, I wish there was sort of like a little bit of that texture where mm-hmm. it made it really gray, where you didn't know who the fuck was right, um, as opposed to having almost a, a, a line drawn in the sand and be like, yep, that's the dick. That's the yeah. person that's going to take him out. That, well, that's the, especially when it comes to like satire books and stuff like that. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I'm assuming that's the definition of satire is making fun of one side. Yeah. Um, so we know what side they're completely making fun of, even though you have sort of that little dig on one side, it's actually leaning more towards one way. Yeah. And so when you dehumanize one side, which is what we do now, yeah, and, and that's why we're in the mess that we're in, because we just dehumanize the other side. And yep. You have no value. Um, right. When you do that, then then it makes it harder to have a conversation. And I think if there was an understanding of why the other side was doing what they were doing, even if it was just made up or whatever it was, made it hard. And I think that's where the character that, you know, was one of them is now mm-hmm. on the other side. Mm-hmm. We get to see her side. And she explained it really clearly. Really, really, really and well. And I, I don't want to ruin it. but <laughs> And it was like, holy fuck. If, the, if, that, if that really is the way that life is, then we're fucked. <laughs> yeah. Because because it's just crazy. But you know what? And it's crazy. It's a fucking comic book. And it's making me think. So <laughs> but drawn really well. Yeah. Colored beautifully. Fuck it was fun. And yeah, it makes you think and stuff like that. And that's and, and and yeah, you you point out without giving too much away, yeah, there is a bit of a cliffhanger where one of the characters is is now has to make a choice. And the 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 offer to them uh, was explained mm. in a way that, yeah, really has them questioning what they're currently doing. Right. So I think, uh, again, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next issue. I think this is the best book of the week. Yeah, uh, for sure. And I really, really hope that people find their way to this book um, and the eventual Netflix television adaptation doesn't really That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. Um, all right, kitties, that, that, that's what we have for you this week. Um, if you like what you're hearing, make sure you uh, click subscribe to the podcast. If you are a creator out there and have something coming up and want to promote uh, some of your work, you want to be on a podcast, well, and I would love to have you on. Just go over to amazingactioncomics.com slash podcast, fill out the form, and we'd love to have you on. Make sure you visit amazingactioncomics.com to stay up to date on everything that we have that's going on and amazing. Uh, I just had a great conversation with Justin the other day. We've got so much shit coming down the line. Um, It's crazy. So, And then I believe I'm set up for a convention next month, but I'm trying to finalize details. So maybe next week I'll make the announcement, let you guys know where I'm going to be. If you want to come, 
and cool. hang out. Uh, make sure you visit your local comic shop. Show them some love. Show them some support. Phil, where do you get your comics from? Well, I get mine at the Joker's Child in Fairlawn, New Jersey. And yeah, of course, not only does Joker's Child cater to the superhero crowd, they're also very supportive of the indie comic crowd. So you can get all these great books that we reviewed this week and more at the Joker's Child. And it's a comic shop. So, you know, back issues, trade paperbacks, toys, supplies, bags, boards, comic boards, uh, comic boxes, whatever you need. We got it for you. Uh, and our ever-expanding pop collection. Uh, look, everything, every property is now a pop, and uh, this this line is expanding. Uh, so come on down and look at our huge pop wall over at the Joker's Child. Pick up some pops, man. They're the triples of collectibles. I swear to you, folks, he does not practice. This is just like off the limb. So, yeah, so if you're ever in the neighborhood, Fellow, New Jersey, stop by, come say hello. Um, and that's all that we have for you this week. So until next that's time, kiddies, that's it. You don't have another hour and 10 minutes? Not another hour and 10 minutes. <laughs> so until next time, please be amazing, stay amazing, and read something amazing. Amazing. <laughs>